don't need you to love me. To love, I've got, I've got, I've got my sister. I can feel her now. She may not be here, but she's still mine. I know she still loves me. Got my children. I can't hold them now. They may not be here, but they still mine. I hope. They know I still love them. Got my house, it still keeps the cold out. Got my chair when my body can't hold out. Got my hands doing good like they're supposed to. Hi, friends. For this episode, Melissa and I are foregoing the usual silly, sometimes irreverent, and occasionally funny introduction that usually precedes our conversation. And we are foregoing the silliness because this doesn't feel like a time that calls for silliness. Melissa and I have made no secret of our personal politics in the last few episodes of this podcast, but in fairness to her, I will only speak for myself. If you've listened before, you know that I am upset about the results of this week's election. I am upset about the down-ballot races, which we had hoped would lead to change on the state level. I have seen many of our teacher friends lose some of their spark in the last few years, many opting to retire, and I'm eager to see Wisconsin move in a different direction. In regards to the presidential election, however, I am not upset. I am devastated. After the election, I found myself having to catch my breath walking up a flight of stairs, and I realized I was literally holding my breath. My body could not accept the result. In the days that have followed, I'm still trying to wrap my head around what a Trump presidency will mean for me a working professional who just left the job market to go back to school, and as a gay man getting married in 2017. Personally, I'm worried. But I know I'm not alone. I know many coaches across the country will face a challenge in the coming years. If a Trump presidency looks anything like a Trump campaign, 
Forensics coaches will be preaching the virtues of being prepared, doing research, taking care to use language that is precise and inclusive, and following a code of ethics in competition that includes respect for those you're competing against. And all the while, our nation's highest elected official will be a man who does not embody any of those virtues. I have told my students time and time again that what you learn in forensics will improve your chances of being successful, regardless of the paths they choose professionally and personally. But inarticulate and unfounded declarations just won the White House, so maybe I was wrong. The election of Donald Trump as president may also undermine the point of what we are hoping to achieve with this series. Too Taboo for the Tab Room is meant to shed light on attitudes and behaviors that have the potential to make students feel like they are an other. Meanwhile, an overwhelmingly white, cisgendered, straight, Christian group of voters just elected a man who has, on many occasions, declared that being anything other than white, cisgendered, straight, and Christian is reason enough to question your patriotism, and perhaps even reason enough to kick you out or legislate against your best interests. So, in the midst of so much grief and doubt, I have to return to the thesis of this podcast. Listen. Think. Speak. We owe it to ourselves and those with whom we disagree to listen to what they have to say. As Secretary Clinton said in her concession speech, Donald Trump is going to be our president. We owe him an open mind and the chance to lead. Then, we need to think about how to respond to some words and attitudes that will likely confuse us or even make us angry. Think about what is being said, but perhaps more importantly, think about what's not being said. What motivates this fear of someone who is different? And finally, we must speak articulately, truthfully, factually, passionately. We must speak. We must speak to anyone and everyone who will listen, so that no one who comes into contact with us can walk into an election booth in two years and four years or for the rest of our lives without having heard, really, heard our argument for tolerance, inclusiveness, and the power of good communication. And I do believe those are the best outcomes of time spent doing this activity. Tolerance, inclusiveness, and good communication. Every week, we leave our small towns or our cities to mingle with people who come from a different part of the state. We are a diverse and vibrant and intelligent bunch, and we already do a lot, but we can do more to spread that message. And I have one final message for anyone listening today who may be fearful for what's to come. If you are a person of color, an immigrant, a Muslim, LGBT, or feel like you are an other in any way, forensics is a safe place for you. If you are someone who is scared of what changing demographics in America means for you, forensics is not only a safe place for you, it's a place to meet folks who are different than you and soothe those fears. 
please join us, because we care about you, and we want you to feel safe, and we want you to have a voice. This is Forensics Faces. Melissa. Kurt. How are you doing? I am a little frazzled, but that's just because I got back from like a whirlwind weekend in, in the Twin Cities. Yes. I learned so much about the Twin Cities that I did not know. Okay. So let's like, just jump right in. Yes. You were just telling me you went to a vegan butcher. I did. Please explain. Okay. Uh, for those who don't know, I have been vegetarian for just about a decade now. And I'll be I'm transitioning into trying to be vegan because I'm a garbage vegetarian, as Peter Woods and I call ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so I mostly just like eat cheese and dairy and like things that are vegetarian. But I've been trying really hard to like eat better. And there's this butcher shop air quotes around it called the Herbivorous Butcher. And it's all plant based meat and cheese products. Interesting. Yeah. And I went to I, I knew that it existed, but I didn't like comprehend that it was in Minneapolis until we went out to a restaurant last night and I had a vegan uh, Korean barbecue sandwich and it was like the herbivorous butcher, like Korean barbecue rib meat. And I was like, wait, is that here? And then my <laughs> friend, my friend Katie, who was hosting us was like, yeah, it's like five blocks from my house. And so this morning she took me there and I bought vegan barbecue, like Korean barbecue ribs and vegan mozzarella cheese and like oh. brought it back. <laughs> like someone like cradling a child across the border. I was, it was just beautiful. <laughs> and I'm really excited to make grilled cheese sandwiches and then also like Korean barbecue pulled pork sandwich things. And yeah. Awesome. But yeah. Katie is a friend that I made in high school in forensics. She's a year younger than I was. And she came to our first like the debate meeting of the year and we have been friends now for like 11 years so how awesome is that yeah i love hearing stories of forensics friendships i know it's so nice continue. to like maintain them and but it, it does make it complicated because my roommate is katie with an ie and she is right. katie with just an i so when i'm together with the two of them i have to call them by their like full birth names which are caitlin and Catherine. there you go <laughs> which is very confusing well, for other didn't... people who don't know sure. that they're that's not their names so at least they don't have the same actual first name. I, I, I feel very blessed for that reason. <laughs> it makes my life very easy. Right. Because otherwise you would have to start naming attributes. Oh my God. And that's just a minefield you do no. not want to go into. No. I mean, I, I, I could be like, and I it can't even be like short Katie because they're both tiny people. And like they both have, like one has well, but really you, curly hair and one has sort of curly even hair. Even if you and, were to say something like positive about one of them, like Katie with the pretty eyes, then the other Katie would be like, why am I not getting yeah, the pretty eyes? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like there's no way to win that. Ugh. I have been down that road with people before where it's like, no, don't well, there use was, attributes. There was one year of the musical in high school where there were seven girls who went by Katie. And so like the, the drama director, Ty Wesley would just be like, Hey, Katie's, can you take care of this? Katie's, can you go clean the choir room? <laughs> Katie's, can you lead warm ups? And then the seven of them would just be like, 
yes, and go do it. At least they could function as a unit. Right? They were just like the coolest gang ever. That's the Katie's. <laughs> the Katie's. We Flip are so far off track. Anyway. That's great. What? Okay. <laughs> so, so things have happened like. Yeah. And so. stuff. <laughs> we're, we're like using our like positive voices and whatnot, but that's because like. Unlike other people who've recorded podcasts for other reasons where they had to immediately get into like election sadness. Like, right. We've we can, time we can to put process. it off a little bit. And, and the intro uh, addresses that more mm-hmm. fully. But um, WTF. Yep. <laughs> I mean, all... really, I don't know what else there is to say. Um, we are recording this on Sunday night. Mm-hmm. There has been a little bit more time for the news to settle. I like, I honestly am going through the stages of grief. Yeah. Like, that's I, what I told everyone. Like people are like, acceptance. why aren't you over? Cause I work for a lot of people who are conservative mm-hmm. voted Republican and they're like, why aren't you okay yet? And I was like, I am still working through my process. Like I need to, cl- like I need to get the salt out of my wound completely before it can heal. So like, right. I need you to back off three steps. You can tell me about like Trump's, freaking fiscal plan in like three days, right. but like give me a moment. Well, and the vitriol hasn't Stopped. abated. No. Like it's still, it's still going so strong. And I, to a degree, I mean that on both ends. Yes. But mostly it's from Trump supporters who are telling not Trump supporters to get over it. That's what I'm seeing a lot of. Yeah. It is infuriating me because no, it is not the same. No. And that was one of the interesting things about going to Minneapolis, like right after the election was like, that's a uber liberal place. Yeah. yeah. Like NYC, here we come. Yep. And like, it was like, I would have to, I like hand over my idea at a bar and they're like, Wisconsin. I was like, sorry about Trump. Yeah. Like, but, and like having the thing that I am using to motivate myself and push myself forward is that like, I now have to be even better on behalf of my students. Like, my team is always my my team's plural have always been a safe space. And so I now know that, like, I have even more motivation to be better on their behalf. Exactly. So if you need something to help with the washing of the salt from the wounds and the healing of the wounds, it's knowing that there are people that we need to be better for. So, yeah, I would have loved to have learned that lesson another way. <laughs> I know, but sometimes <laughs> you know what? You gotta- Actually. I take that back. I would have loved to have not needed to learn that lesson. Yeah. I would love for there not to be. I, w- I would love, honestly, this is my wish. I wish that there was not so much vitriol and hate surrounding the man who we just elected president. Mm-hmm. I could disagree with him. I can think he is unqualified and none of that would scare me. Exactly. What scares me is just the way he acted does not lead me to believe that our nation will be anything less than divided for the yeah. next four years. And I, regardless, is an understatement at this point. Regardless of, you know, the tone he struck when he won, which was more gracious and more unifying than we had heard from him the entire election. I haven't watched it. It's tough to believe that like, oh, now this guy is the guy we get when we have seen what he can be like. And frankly, since he is, he's already tweeting yeah. Like how unfair it is that people are protesting. We have we have our next American president calling it unfair for people to protest. That's going to be real fun when it's he has actual executive so authority. Fun. So okay. if there are things that you need to accomplish, like life wise, I'll talk about it a little later based on one of the topics that we're talking about. But like there are genuine things that you might need to do about your life and your life choices 
that needs to happen before January. Right. But that's as much as we'll so, do that. Yes. Let's um, talk about things that are better and cooler, Kurt, like... Like forensics after dark. Boom! Like, if you need to get out some of those election frustrations, we have an outlet for Let you. Let us feel your feels. Uh, so forensics after dark is coming back, as we Woo-hoo. said at the end of last time around. Um, we're just going to do it uh, the Friday of Thanksgiving, like we have been here in Sheboygan. It's Black um, Friday for a reason. Black Friday, Friday, November 25th. It will be at the Paradigm and Oh, that's a lie. I still have old language in here. <gasps> it's at Paradigm proper because the annex is no more. It's just in the main coffee house where there is a real stage. It's now. so cool in there now. Yeah. Yeah. So it's at Paradigm Coffee and Music. Uh, so that's our one up here in Sheboygan. Um, and then there's another one happening Saturday night. Back to back. The 26th down in Milwaukee at the Alchemist Theater. That one's being put together by Carrie Baker. There you go, Carrie. There's your Three, fourth, yeah, four, fourth four show in a row, four Carrie. Episodes, four times you've been mentioned. Um, actually, I have another story about Carrie in a little bit. Um, so she is doing one on the 26th. I believe hers starts at 5 o'clock. Ours is at 8 p.m. on Friday night. You can get all the details at forensicsafterdark.com. That's right. We have a website what, now. What, what, what? I'm so proud of you. Um, and this one is called Forensics After Dark Civil War. Because yes, it's the North versus the South. I have one plea to make, though. Every mm-hmm. year Thanksgiving now, I travel out to New York State to see my parents. My father is in the mili- military and is stationed in up New York State. And I cannot attend Forensics After Dark on the regular Sheboygan thing. So I need someone to fill in my place. What is the kindest language to refer to what I normally perform? Hmm. I need Vagina s- stuff. <laughs> okay, you said it. I didn't. I need someone to step in and, and, and talk about, about the best flower in the garden on my behalf. And if you need someone to find the piecework for you, I literally have a backlog of things <laughs> that I want to perform. So I can send you some stuff. I can even lend you my binder. And speaking of that, in general, if you want to perform at either the Milwaukee or the Sheboygan or both, uh, just let Carrie or myself know and we will uh, add you to the roster. And if you're nervous about it, don't be. Uh, For the Sheboygan locale, there is a bar located across the street to do some... uh, some pre-courage and mm-hmm. Carrie's has a bar in it. So you good. Ta-da. And actually by the time we do this again next year, Paradigm will be able to sell alcohol full time. And it will be beautiful. Yes. Courage shots are great. So, well, we're so close to being able to have real, real adult things happen at the Paradigm. Okay. Um, let's talk about some stuff that we've done recently before yes. we jump into our main topic today. Other than crying. Um, <laughs> other than crying. So first of all, uh, congrats to the North, the South. I don't know why I don't know I'm what doing we're this. Doing. You are doing a Christina Aguilera genie in a bottle dance right now. And I am here for it. I'm a genie in a bottle, baby. baby. Okay. I can do some of the choreography um, from that. Okay. But yeah, uh, we saw. So congrats to the North, South and Ideas kids who were all a part of Legally Blonde. It was so much fun, you guys. It actually was. There was, it was I think a good theme for uh, the musicals we saw this year, because we saw the um, Usberg High School musical, because mm-hmm. we, we have friends yeah. who are part of the program. Yeah. We saw the Appleton East uh, drama programming doing Sister Act, and then we saw Legally Blonde here in Sheboygan. And all of them just had wonderful aspects of inappropriateness the, involving, yeah, a little bit. involving all sorts of things. But it was very fun. Every It was all very like lighthearted and comedic for the most part. And I loved it. Yes. Um, yeah, Legally Blonde is just such a fun show. And you said you had not 
seen it in any no, version. No, I hadn't seen it in any version, although oh. the next day, because we saw it on Thursday night, mm-hmm. Friday during at work, I, I found a YouTube video with the full MTV yes, recording. I'm so glad you did that, because it's so worth it. I was watching it and like crying at work. It was delightful. Yes, it is. It's I was crying so for good reasons at work good. for once, not for sad ones. Oh, <laughs> yes. So um, special shout outs if you want to do any, but specifically, I just want to mention Two amazing senior ladies who are currently at North, Mimi Viglietti and Sydney Wickland, who uh, they played. Uh, Diva Snaps. Yeah, they played Elle Woods and Paulette, uh, respectively, and they were both so, so good. So It wasn't even fair. So good. Yeah. It's like looking back at that, I was like, oh, was I that good in high school? I'm going to pretend like I was, <laughs> but I don't know. Like they were both so strong. Speaking of strong performances, you just mentioned it. We need to gush a little bit. Oh my God. You Deb and I did, and our, Mike. did our How annual dare you? sojourn to Appleton East to see Deb and Mike's Tross's musical. This year they did Sister Act. If you've never yeah. seen an Appleton East drama production, we say it every time we go because we go in in fall and in spring. You need to go. It is yeah. the most incredible deal in town for how cheap those freaking tickets are. Unbelievable. Like, amazing the audience there is great and then the production that they put on like there are so many times we we ended up by complete kismet sitting with ron steinhorst from alpaca who was also there the night to see it that was and fun there were so many times where he like he just like says quietly to himself oh my gosh <laughs> like and i got to sit next to him and it was just like i know right oh, the yes. cast is so talented they're so committed the like set that mike put together is amazing yeah so this time they used projections for the first time like this is stuff that's being done in broadway and off-broadway theaters and they're just figuring out a way to do it at appleton east high school it's insane bravo to mike and deb special mentions out of that cast and there, like there were many many, there's so many but like i really want to talk about first let's talk about jada Jada boone uh who played the lead uh who's like what is her real name she's not sister Sister Mary Catherine, okay, Sister Mary something. They're all Sister Mary. But Jada's yeah. amazing. She has such Dolores stage presence. Dolores Van Cartier. That's yes. It. Dolores Van Cartier. She, like, is so, like, we've been talking a lot about really kinetic performances. Mm-hmm. And, like, every time she walked on the stage, it was just, like, eyes to her. But there was one exception about when that happened. And that would be when our girl, we are the president and vice president of the Rachel fan club. Oh, my gosh. Rachel Bednarowski. Whew. Girl, you inspired me to make a hashtag. Yes. Like, that's how good you is. And it, well, oh my gosh. Every time she walked on stage, it was just like watching her. There are scenes where mm-hmm. she is not singing, not speaking, but she is just reacting to what's on stage. And I don't give a single, single care in the world about a beautiful group, quote, like choral number that's happening because Rachel is over in the corner making faces and I'm just going to pivot 45 degrees and check that out (laughs) and laugh hysterically. She is so engaging and I just want to hang out with her all the time. Yes. Um, Another special shout out to Claire Sowell who uh, was in the marvelous wonderettes and played a really perfect sister, Mary Robert. That was a great great role for her. Um, And somebody we had not noticed before, which is not to say we haven't seen this person before. Mm -hmm. Sorry. We didn't notice you, but standout Molly Kubica. I probably said your last name wrong um, as sister, Mary Patrick, who was 
Hilarious. So funny. Hilarious. So congratulations to everybody in that cast. Snaps all around. Um, I wish I could tell you which of the people in like the the male group was the one who did that really awkward pelvic thing. Pelvic thing. Um, you know who you are. <laughs> I, and Devin I, Mike know who you I are. I don't know your character's name, so I can't tell which person you are. Um, but you were uh, really, really You made me special. wildly uncomfortable. Yeah, we so really kudos. disliked that in a way that you should be proud of. But I, we, you made us uncomfortable. Like, if you are a person who, like, you don't have to have kids in high school to appreciate the amount of talent and love and energy going into your local high school productions. And it might not be a show you don't know because more drama directors are taking risks with the shows that they're yeah. doing now. Go see them. Support those programs. Also, if you're a coach and you're like, I need to do recruitment. You know a great place to recruit kids? Is that it? The drama program. And your kid, like you are going to know at least one kid in there. So why not? And if you need any evidence of that, come to a North South musical and watch Melissa and I corner children <laughs> in hallways. Watch us leverage the kids. We already have no, our team to like, like create a human net. Stop. Bring them. me to the Stop tall one. Now. Bring me to the tall one. Yeah. <laughs> but we're pretty shameless about it. Yeah. We'll do which anything, I, which I appreciate about us. Speaking um, of shameless. Here's some shameless promotion for me. Um, Wolf Song. Yes, nicely done. Thank that was you. not planned. <laughs> um, Wolf Song giveaway still happening. Uh, we will pick five people who will get the book for free, Audible credit. Um, and, you know, technically you do not have to use the Audible credit to even buy this book. I'm just trusting that you will, but you could lie to me. I don't know. Um, it's a free Audible credit. Do it. Tweet at Forensics Faces. Use the hashtag Wolf Song. Tell me about your favorite uh, movie, book, TV show uh, that had a werewolf in it. And special plug, finished my other book this week. So check out Earthless, the Survivors series coming soon to Audible. Nice. That's a sci-fi one with no gay sex in it. So you do not have to be afraid uh, to listen to that one around children. Speaking of gay sex. <laughs> to taboo. We're on the next segment. I am so proud of this episode is very, very off color. And we did not mean to do any of this. No. Um, but let's roll with it. Yes. So this week on Too Taboo for the Tab Room, part three, our first topic is LGBT students. And I'm gonna I'm gonna list the whole it's LGBTQIA plus is where we are. At now, I can hear my former student, Abby Wagaman, like, like nodding her head, watching as I try to take all the letters. But I think that's like where you get them in good. Can I, I tell can I tell you something that's a little bit embarrassing? Please do. As a member of that community. You don't know what the last few are? I, well, I feel like they change <laughs> or like they're open to interpretation. Like they mean lots of different a things. Especially like, has been asexual, aromantic, ally. ally. Yeah. Got them all. Like it, so like, does that, does the A encompass all things? I mean. That start with A? It encompasses a lot of things that start with A. Uh, I don't know. So. That's, that's, someone, that's why we have the plus. Because right, the, the okay. main thing is inclusivity. So we got that plus on the end. And so that we don't leave anyone out. Uh, which reminds me, Leah Deloria from Orange is the New Black. Yes. The really butch one. She's starting this campaign that we just call it queer now. Nice. And get it over with. I'm here for it. <laughs> instead, instead of continually adding letters, let's just call them queer. Yep. So let's talk about queer students. So yes. first of all, why are we discussing this group of students over others? Because there are lots of uh, people who are marginalized. Yes. Um, 
but you know, LGBT students at this moment in time are having a sp- specific set of struggles yes. uh, that require perhaps some discussion and some attention. And that's what this series is supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, just some stats to to explain why we are talking about this. Uh, these stats are from the Human Rights Campaign. Uh, four out of 10 LGBT youth, that's 42%, say the community in which they live is not accepting of LGBT people. So 40% of gay youth are living in communities where they don't feel accepted. Uh, LGBT youth are twice as likely as their peers to say they have been physically assaulted, kicked, or shoved at school. Um, this one was interesting. 26% of LGBT youth say their biggest problems are not feeling accepted by their family, trouble at school, bullying, and a fear to be out or open. Whereas 22% of non-LGBT youth, so almost the same amount, say their biggest problems are trouble with class, exams, and grades. Which is normal teenage problems. Normal teenage problems. Um, so I guess what we're getting at is when you are an LGBT youth, you are not always dealing with... LGBT problems. Um, and from the Trevor project, um, the rate of suicide attempts is four times greater for LGBT youth and two times greater for questioning youth than that of straight youth. And, um, Oh no, I got a little pop up. They're trying to make me donate. I don't, not that I don't project care every year. Um, it's one that so, I'm very and you'll notice I did about. not say LGBT because nearly half of young transgender people have seriously thought about taking their lives. So this is why we're focusing on this population. It's a it's a group of students. Um, thankfully, you know, times are a lot different than they were mm-hmm. when even just you and I were in high school yep. not so long ago. No, at least in our minds, not so in long ago. In our minds, not so long ago. You know, so a lot more students feel comfortable coming out, and that is a good thing. But they have a specific set of issues that they are dealing with. Um, and I don't know about you, but this is not a conversation that I have with other forensics coaches. So no. let's They're, have I, the conversation. Yeah, I know... Um, at least for me in high school, my main like involvements were in my drama program and my speech and debate programs. And I, it always just felt like there was a higher population of queer students there because that community is very tight knit, very protective, very loyal. So I was always told that that was, they just felt safer there. Mm -hmm. And so, and I was one of those kids. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I um, came out my junior year in high school, but I obviously I knew throughout all of high school and I saw that like the other kids like me were not only in this activity at my school, but then I was going to other like going to competitions where there were other kids and I could identify those other kids who were like me. Mm -hmm. And that was really important to not only see within my own community that there was this tiny little niche that I could uh, attach to. Outside of show choir. And, <laughs> but like that, then I could go out into the larger community yeah. and see like, oh, this is everywhere. Mm-hmm. It's not just me. It's not this one little microcosm. It's everywhere. I am not that strange. Um, so yeah, I, like forensics is a great activity for yes. queer kids. Um, partially because like there are so many forms of expression that happen in forensics and it's a chance for kids almost to experiment with that before yes. they're ready really to talk about it in real life. Mm-hmm. I know you have had a student who has done queer pieces before that student was ready to talk about being queer yep. him or herself. I know I have had a student. I have had two students who are like that. Um, we heard after our first episode of two taboo from the tab room, oh. uh, from another one of your students. I wasn't even thinking about that one. 
Um, but like that was that very lovely email we got was about exactly that, Mm -hmm. uh, that, you know, forensics, because of all the different ways you can express your opinions or performances, there's a chance for you to dip your toe into that world and just see how people react before having to actually come out. Um, so some, some things to keep in mind if you are a forensics coach. So as a general rule, I would say, this is my perspective alone. Mm -hmm. Um, don't make any special accommodations for students because nobody really wants to be treated differently. Yes. And this is what's tough because nobody wants to be treated differently. But that being said, you shouldn't avoid the topics of sexuality if they come up Mm -hmm. and this is it's a fine line to walk because you don't want to be like asking them all the time like oh hey like so and so said you're gay do you like boys (laughs) you don't want to put pressure on it like which is sometimes tempting because you want to normalize it and be like you know if we just talk about it it'll be great and it'll be out in the open and when you they can know that i'm an ally and everything's fine yeah but the second you do that you take you take away that sort of bubble that they have built around themselves you're Mm -hmm. you're doing where you're you're pushing on the walls of their bubble without their permission which is leads exactly to my next bullet point which is that um one thing that i notice i have seen this struggle happen with Mm -hmm. some people is you have to realize that a student may be in the process of coming out. So don't assume everyone knows what you know. Yes. Uh, because they may have been comfortable enough to tell you. Uh, they may be comfortable enough to tell everybody on the team, mm-hmm. but they might not be out at school. Uh-huh. They may, they may be out at school, but they may not be out to their family. Yes. So don't ever assume that just because uh, an LGBT student has shared that information with you, that it is common knowledge. And and there are lots of reasons for that because sometimes it's the it's the fact that if they were to be out at home, their home suddenly becomes an unsafe space for them to be and they could then be like kicked out of their home. Sometimes it's it's just the idea that they are in a school environment where if other kids in school knew that, it would sort of increase the difficulty of their everyday school life. Mm-hmm. And so all that I can do as a person who is straight identifying and is a adult figure is know that making sure that they know that I will keep those things to myself. Yeah. And don't be afraid to ask either. I mean, especially if you are a coach and a student, and I guess this is true if you're a teacher as well, if a student has come to you and they are telling you that they are gay or bisexual or transgender, don't be afraid to ask where they are in their coming out process. Mm -hmm. And you can frame it like that, that, you know, I don't want to say anything to anyone. I shouldn't, not that I'm going to go talk to other people about it, but I need, I would like to know, who in your life knows so I can be a support system for you in the correct way. And then also there are students who uh, like identify within different areas of the gender spectrum. So they might want to have different pronouns be used for them mm-hmm. or if they are in the middle of a transition and they would like to be called by their now chosen name, which is with their now identified gender, like mm-hmm. asking what that they would like that to be and doing your part to help your team environment transition with them. Because there are other people in their life who do that. So if they decide that they want the rest of the team to be in that with them and using their pronouns and using their 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 given like their chosen name, you can be the person who helps. I don't want to use the word enforce because it sounds really like authoritative, but like I think it's help, appropriate though. Yeah. Like influence that decision and mm-hmm. like sort of also be able to help leading conversations about it and that sort of thing. That's a really good point. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, 
So on the flip side of that is that you you also want to know that parents may go through a hard time when their kid comes out. Yes. And I've I have seen this happen. I have <laughs> talked to a lot of people on this. Um, even folks who are totally okay with like their best friend being gay. Yeah. They might struggle when they find out their kid is gay. Mm-hmm. And so I guess what I just want to say is like, don't treat the parent like they're they're overreacting. Right. Like, or like or they're that a their bad emotions person. Aren't, aren't warranted. Right. Like they have to go through a grieving process. They have to mourn the loss of this life they saw for their child. Um, so, you know, I don't know how many coaches are interacting with parents that closely. Yeah. Um, but like, so an example of, of a situation like I had it, very similar to what you were just discussing. Um, it was a, a trans teenager who was going by one name and one identity at school, yep. at home, they had not accepted that. And it was tough for me, first of all, because I did not know who they were talking about when they emailed me. Um, but once I figured it out, I was like, do I need to stand up for this kid? Mm-hmm. Like, do I need to be an adult voice to say, hey, I know the student as such and such, and I feel more comfortable, you know, using the proper name and pronouns. Um, and ultimately, I came to the conclusion that I was like, you know, this isn't, my place is to support the student and it's not my place to lecture the parents. Yep. So, you know, if we were ever in the same place at the same time and I saw the parents acting out in a way that was um, not supportive to their teenager, I might at that point uh, make sure to voice my support for the teenager. Yeah. Just in general, not at the parents. And so if that were the case, like why would I email them back and be like, here's this lecture as to why Mm -hmm. you should be parenting your child different. Not my place. No. So try to be understanding for for parents and I guess other students, too, who may struggle with that. I mean, we don't come from the most diverse place in the world. No. Um, so I could easily see a situation happening where there were LGBT kids on a team and also some conservative kids on a mm-hmm. team. Where We live in a bubble. That there might be some friction there that you would have to deal with. So I guess try to be understanding of of both sides and try to usher some understanding between between the two. So um, next bullet point, don't make students guess about your willingness to support them, though. No, I, I trust that if you're listening to this podcast, you do support them. I don't think I have met anyone in my time <laughs> in forensics who would be anything less than supportive to an LGB student if they came LGBT student, if they came to you. The um, rule being nice to kids, nice to kids applies to all. Yes. That's the forensic spaces. <laughs> golden rule now is be nice to Just kids. Be nice to kids. And that applies um, to all of the kids. Yeah. So one way you can do that is you can go to the glisten site. Uh, they have what's called a safe space kit, um, which I am sure Many people have seen different versions of this. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's like a schoolhouse that's a rainbow, uh, but they've got lots of different uh, versions of that now that just identify your classroom or your team meeting space as a safe space for kids. So don't make them guess. No. <laughs> Let them know when they walk in the door, this is a, a safe space for me. Now let's get down to something a little nitty gritty, and I would actually like your opinion on this. Yes, I, I when we were going over the script, I was like, Ah, finger to chin. This is very interesting because this is something I have literally never given a second thought to ever. Really? Yes. But I've never, I've never had a situation where I would need to deal with this. So, but we're talking about room assignments for overnights. 
So we don't live in the same world we used to. No. Where, I mean, not that there weren't gay kids back then, but they weren't talking about it. So no. you didn't have to address it. Mm-mm. Now, both of our teams have openly gay kids on them. And we live in Sheboygan, Wisconsin. So yep. if it's happening here, it's probably it's happening, happening in a lot of other places. So when you go on an overnight and you're assigning people to stay in hotel rooms together, mm-hmm. you know, conventional wisdom was you keep the girls and the boys apart. Now, I'm pretty sure most school districts have rules that make that still the case. Yes. Um, including Sheboygan Area School District, mm-hmm. which has very strict rules about overnights and boys being yep. able to even like they're not even allowed to go in the room, according to our handbook. So. And, and vice and vice versa. <laughs> we keep the doors open. Yes, it's. I'm, I'm thinking about the idea of like having team meetings in the cleanest room, which is almost always like a like an an older girl's room, and the fact that like they're boys yes. sitting on beds, and I'm sure that the, to make the superintendent. all but, oh, but really, adults really. are there, and the door is always open. Yes, so it's, you know that's, we have yeah. rules. Um. But, but technically, I mean, if we go strictly by what the handbook yeah, says, they're not even we supposed are, to walk in. Yeah, they're not even supposed to be in there. So um, that is impossible to manage <laughs> for exactly that reason. If you have a team meeting or a team practice uh, and if you have a duo that's a boy and a girl, guess what? They have to be in the same space at the same time. How dare you? It'll be fine. Um, but by the way, if neither Melissa or I show up in January for tournaments, you, you know, know what why. happened. <laughs> but no, I'm I'm going to risk that in the second point of two taboo, yeah. but we'll get there. OK, so. Um, OK, I've so never had students who were LGBT um, who were dating each other on the team. Anytime they were dating someone, it was either in secret because they weren't out or they were they just weren't on the team. I've never had mm-hmm. I've had plenty of of heterosexual couples on my team date each other, but I've never had anyone um, like dating each other from the LGBT group. Okay. But follow that logic. We are separating boys and girls, period. Mm-hmm. Are all of those boys and girls dating each other? No. Then why separate them? Because the school district says we have to. Well, because like you, you would think like shenanigans could happen whether they're dating or not. Yeah. So like, my old coach used to this was super progressive of me to just call it shenanigans i know i loved it as long as you didn't call it hanky panky we're good yeah but no my my high school coach uh used to because she was a third shift worker Mm -hmm. so when we had overnights she would sit in the hallway like nearest to the door she thought was the most likely to like cause some mischief a lot of times it was mine Mm -hmm. and she would just sit outside the door just to make sure that no one was like do anything I don't have the patience for that. No. And my kids also know that I would ruin their lives if I did. If they tried to pull something with me. Um, and also, like, my kids are such, like, tattletale gossips for each other that the second anyone tries to pull anything, someone is on Facebook Messenger being like, hey, Melissa, so-and-so right. left our room and hasn't come back for 20 minutes. I don't know where she is. I don't know where they went. And I'm like, all right, cool. Right. Now I've got to get out of bed and stop watching this SNL rerun and go figure out where you are. <laughs> so what my advice on this is... Um, you know, conventional room assignments no longer apply, but conventional wisdom still does. Ooh. So you know your kids. So if you think that there is a potential for something untoward to Ooh. happen inside a hotel room, which is not why we are there. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. No. But it's not why we are at an overnight for forensics. Um, You know when to separate kids and when not to. Yeah. You know when to make a special exception for 
maybe the one gay boy that you have on your team and he needs his own space. Yeah. If that's something you think needs to happen, don't feel like you have to be consistent with it because you did it once that you now have to do it every single time. No. You know your kids, you know what they're comfortable with. Certainly if one of them makes a special request, try to accommodate that unless the request is, can I please share a bed with my boyfriend? Then, then no, you do, you are not obligated to accommodate that. Um, no. So yeah, I guess like common sense still applies, even if it's, but like, if you haven't been faced with this coach, get ready. Cause I don't care where you are. If you haven't faced it yet, it's coming down the line. It's going to happen sooner rather than later. So think about now how you want to deal with that because mm-hmm. it's, it's a common. Yep. It's a common. Um, so we've kind of gray area our way into the next topic of conversation which is sex and teenagers. It's so, real, people. It's real. Let's so, stop I'm, pretending. I'm going to say my piece. Do yours. Okay. And then I, I'm, so, I want you to, I want I'm you to read saying. on the script what you wrote for this, okay. by the way. <laughs> All right, I will. Basically, kids know more about sex than any of us want to admit. And more of them, even forensics students, are sexually active than many of us know. As adults who work with teenagers, we should not be naive about this. It is not our responsibility to be a student's primary source of sex education, but be prepared for the topic to come up. Here's what I wrote. Now, sex positive Melissa has some things to say, colon. (laughs) Okay, I grew up in a very, like, sex positive, sexually open home. Obviously, to a level of appropriateness, but my parents were never shy about it. I was encouraged to ask questions from a very young age. I have brought that now into my coaching and the way that I interact with kids. I'm not a teacher. And I think that that gives me some liberties as my public school teacher, best friend and roommate reminds me of constantly, but I take the role of educator very seriously as we've talked about before. And I don't think that has to stop at sex. If my students have questions, they can ask them of me because I acknowledge the fact that they're sexually active and I'd rather them be sexually active and educated than sexually active and risky and stupid and ignorant. I am very willing to give my students directions to where my local Planned Parenthood is. I have a contact at my local Planned Parenthood. So I like, I use my local Planned Parenthood as a form of healthcare. I have, I have book resources. I can point them to podcast resources. I can point them to internet resources. I can point them to, because I, there were situations that I was a part of as a teenager or like on the sidelines of a teenager that were scary. Mm-hmm. And I don't want my kids, as I will refer to them, to have to worry about those things. And some of them, before even getting to high school, have to deal with these scary situations. So if I get to have any part in making sure that a teenager is being smart, then I'm going to. And I'm not going to be shy about it. Like, can, can I ask a clarifying question? Yes. To which I already know the answer, but I think it's it's important for me to ask this mm-hmm. in this, this public forum. Does that mean that you are encouraging students to have sex? Of course not. I often will have conversations with students about the idea of needing to think emotionally about sex and not biologically about sex. And that's not just girls. And it's not just straight girls. And it's not just those the ideas of virginity and all that stuff which is a whole nother podcast but like what not on this podcast not on this one it's a whole that's a whole nother conversation you can have with me in person but doing what i can to make sure that that kids are thinking about it smartly and obviously not every single kid is coming to me and my team being like melissa let's talk about sex but there are times where a student is like 
hey, I have a question or I need advice about a situation. And in in this arena where we're trying to build a safe space, I want that space to be safe under all branches. I've had students come to me with pregnancy concerns, STD concerns, but also students who are dealing with friends who are having drug problems, alcohol problems, abusive relationships, whatever it is, I want to make sure that I get to be a safe space and a beacon for them. And, and I am okay with the fact that some people are going to hear that and say, that's insane. Why mm-hmm. would you talk to your kids about sex? But if they are in a situation where they're not going to talk to, to their parents about it, they're not going to talk to a teacher or a guidance counselor, and I'm the only adult they feel comfortable coming to, then I'm not going to turn them away. Right. Like there, I know that there are people who will say as an, as a teacher, that's like, I'm putting my job at risk by having a conversation with a student about that. But, but like, there are ways to approach it where you can do it safely. Like you don't have to tell them like, like go into like what one might call gross detail, but you can Mm -hmm. tell them, well, here's the Planned Parenthood. You can make an appointment online. You can go without your parents It'll be as long as you like understand that there could be potential insurance ramifications for that decision, but they will always be a safe place for you to go. Here is a book that you can read about your situation. Here's an internet resource. Sometimes there are actual guidance counselors who would label themselves as like a place to be. And there are certain situations where, yes, a a person who is a teacher or a guidance counselor needs to notify a parent about a situation. And I also know that those situations exist, mm-hmm. but there are other times where a kid just like needs some advice about their relationship and you, and you, you decide whether or not to give it, but I'm going to. And I think it's just important at this point to interject. Um, cause you, you kind of just hit on it yourself. Um, you know, we as coaches, as employees of the district are mandatory reporters. Yep. So if a student does come to us with a concern, um, that is not about sex, but is about sexual assault. And there is a big difference yes. as we have learned a lot about in this election. Unfortunately, yes. um, there is a difference between sexual activity and sexual assault. Um, if we do find out about, um, sexual activity without consent, we, we have to report that. Mm-hmm. Um, but because that is the best thing to do. Yes. So, so students who who need somebody to talk to, we are here. Yeah. And, but I also, I tell my kids when I like introduce myself to my team every year, to the kids that are new, I will always say, and I say this also in my job, I don't believe in stupid questions. I love questions. I love answering them. Whatever your question may be, just ask it. Whether that is something sex related, politics related, science related, I don't know, whatever it is, I want you to ask it. Even if I don't have the correct answer, because I want you to know that I'm a safe person to come to. Right. And I know that that can be difficult for people. The idea of a high schooler coming to them for like relationship advice or something that they're like, I don't want to do that. That's weird. They, they're completely different, like, like high school experience than me, but that's not true. There's, you're, you're, there's always going to be a way for you to think back in your mind. Okay. Like there are ways that I can relate to the situation. So as long as you are letting your students know both LGBTQIA plus and otherwise that you are a safe space and a safe person to come to, then you are doing it right. Yeah. Great. And again, don't be naive about it. Um, I, I was very surprised when I was first hired as the coach at North to find out that there had actually been an incident on the team a few years prior. Um, after 
I had finished being a student before I had become a coach. It happened in that interim. Um, where like forensic students were caught like in a back stairwell doing something, something, something. So, and I was like, seriously, forensics kids? Because that was so not me. (laughs) Not your But the reality is it wasn't not me because I was a forensics kid. It was because I was one, gay and scared out of my mind. Two, super Catholic. (laughs) And, And three, like just personally not ready to Mm -hmm. engage in a sexual relationship. Um, so it was really tough for me as a person who, who could not have imagined having sex in high school that like people were ready for that or even excited about that. (laughs) Um, I have wised up. Like I get it. Not everybody had my high school experience. Lots of people are way more comfortable having sex long before I did. Um, and that's, fine and And, it's and it can be healthy as long as it is consensual and 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 informed exactly not you know just to be able to save the relationship or something silly like that oh yeah i yeah i i was like i had no body confidence and no one wanted to date me but all of my friends were beautiful and in long-term relationships and like trying to figure out how to bend rules and like i i knew those things were happening and there was and like I was always rooming with those people who were who wanted to like try to get into shenanigans, but at the same time, like we had a team culture that didn't allow shenanigans. Like right. no, it never even crossed someone's mind to try to <clears throat> like you don't you don't try to mess with Ty Wesley. Like <laughs> you just like know better. You also know that like you had stopped you'd stop practicing at 10 p.m. Had your team meeting at 10:15, and you had to be up at 5 a.m. Like right. where's the time for that? No, you you and your roommates are gonna be like you need to go to sleep. <laughs> Like, stop texting him. You're not going to go anywhere. I will tell Melissa. See, this is how different in the few years between when I graduated from high school and when you graduated from high school. We were not texting each other because maybe 10 people in all of our class <laughs> had, cell had cell phones that like they personally owned. Like the rest of us would have like a cell phone our parents could give mm-hmm. us, but we were not sexting on that phone. Oh, my God. Because like our parents would see it. I have a very specific memory of being at a tournament. I think I was like a freshman and there was a girl dating guy on the team and they were just like having one of those lovey dovey conversations, but on the freaking hotel phone. Oh like, my God. It's we're in the dark and they're like, no, you hang up. No, I miss you. Oh, I can't wait to go on a date tomorrow. And I just remember being like, I did not have any cloud on the team. I'm, I'm almost positive. It was my freshman year. And I just was like, I just want to make barfing noises. I just want to make barfing noises. I just want to do it. But yeah, no, it, it's happening. And best we can do is to be a safe place, but also to not shy away from the fact that sometimes your students need you. Mm-hmm. And sometimes like I'm attempting to do in all areas of my life, you need to be better for them. So, and sometimes it's time to talk about really awkward, strange things and not just like sex related, but just like weird things they're doing with their life where they're like, I like showing up to the Rocky horror show. That your theater company is doing like dressed as Rocky horror characters. I didn't need to see that. Thanks so much kids from North high. I mean, thank you for your money. Thank you for attending. We really appreciated that. Um, but like, could I don't I appreciate you I don't need, shaming your students about what they to decided what to wear. Like. That's what you, well, we also ended up. Yeah. Let, let me say it. these kids would not be getting on a forensics bus looking like that. Of course not. <laughs> we have very strict so, dress codes. So I'm saying I don't need to see it. <laughs> I'm not saying they don't need to wear it. I'm but saying you just don't I don't need to see it. Fair. 
Fair. It's my issue. But if you also, if you are someone who doesn't want to have those conversations personally with your students and you need resources, uh, reach out to me via the listen at forensicspaces.com email. And I will point you to some really great resources that are good to give teenagers on their behalf resources to point them to. Also, Planned Parenthood is one of the best things that can happen to high schoolers. I have had many people in my life, male, female, and otherwise, who have relied on Planned Parenthood to be there for them in many a situation. So if you're looking for something to do to make you feel better about post-election blues, donating to local Planned Parenthood, either on behalf of your forensics team or people like me who like use it as regular healthcare source, Mm -hmm. it's a great thing to do. And if you are dealing with an LGBTQIA plus queer student um, who is really, really struggling and you are afraid that they might uh, harm themselves or others, um, one, make sure you are proactive and making sure that they do not. Yes. But also, if you don't feel you are able to handle that conversation, you can point them to the Trevor Project, uh, which has a toll free hotline open 24 seven for specifically uh, LGBTQIA plus youth. Uh, and that number is one eight six six four eight eight seven three eight six. It's thetrevorproject.org is their website. Make sure that information is available because you never know when it might come in handy. And yep. again, if you don't feel you have you are equipped with the tools to have that conversation, that is fine. Yes. Um, but please be a resource for your kids in that way. Yes. So and if you have any questions about how or why we deal with those situations, I as evidenced by the fact that we have a podcast. I love talking about <laughs> it. And any of my students who listen to this is like, oh, yeah, Melissa just has so many just sex pause lectures and they're so dumb. I will stand all up on my soapbox. All up on my soapbox. Whereas my students are sitting there going, Kurt is strangely conservative for a gay dude. <laughs> <laughs> Why is he so uncomfortable about this stuff? So if you're like me, I promise this will probably be the cringe worthiest episode of Forensics Faces you will ever have to listen to. Oh, see, now I'm just like, now I want to just like push some more <laughs> I know you do. I know you but do. But no. I can um, do that with you in person. We can have plenty exactly, of conversations about exactly. it. Um, if there is still something you would like to hear about in the Two Taboo for the Tab Room series, it is not too late. You can reach out to Melissa or myself on social media. You can send us an email at listen at forensicsfaces.com. Uh, you can reach out to Forensics Faces social media. Um, and don't forget, if you want to win an Audible credit, you can tweet at Forensics Faces using the hashtag Wolfsong, uh, and you will get a free copy of my audiobook, which is really just an Audible credit you could use for anything. I don't care. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, would you like to do the outro? I would love to. Forensic Spaces is recorded and edited in Sheboygan, Wisconsin. Our theme song was written and performed by J.J. Hammeister. This week's episode featured the song I'm Here from The Color Purple. If you're a fan of Forensic Spaces, give us a rating on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Find more info at ForensicSpaces.com and Pretty please connect with us on Facebook and Twitter by searching Forensics Faces. I'm Kurt. And I'm Melissa, encouraging you to listen, think, and speak. Preferably in that order.
Yes, 